Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tuning in the Armstrong and Getty Show. John Phillips is filling in for us today. He's a good dude. Be nice to him. And they speak the truth. It's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty during this pandemic. Think about this for a second. Right now, somewhere in the state of Nevada, O.J. Simpson's on the golf course. And the rest of us are on house arrest. The world's a strange place. Coming up later on in the program, Ann Coulter is going to stop by and talk about all the politics of the day. But first, there's a lot of people out there saying, listen to the science, listen to the science, 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 science. And then they tell us things that turn out not to be true. They give us models that predict Two million people are going to die from this coronavirus, this COVID-19. And then they walk it back and they say, well, maybe we didn't get that right. And they tell us that it doesn't work to wear masks. And then three weeks later, they say, you have to wear a mask. Otherwise, you're in violation of the law. They say to us that having a travel ban on people from China or people from Europe is based in racism. And it just doesn't work. And then six weeks later, they quietly changed their mind and changed their tune. And suddenly it wasn't a racist thing to do. It was something that turned out to be quite helpful. 
So while the science seems to change if you're watching the cable channels on a daily basis, depending on whatever it is that they feel that day, the actual science does not change. And so I always like to turn to people who know what they're talking about, people who are medical doctors who deal with this on a regular basis, and no one has consistently been better on this subject, the COVID-19 subject, than Dr. Kelly Victory. Dr. Kelly Victory is a trauma surgeon. She's an expert on mass casualties. She's the former chief medical officer for Walgreens and Continental Airlines. You can follow her on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Victory, and she's kind enough to join us this morning. Dr. Kelly Victory, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show with John Phillips. Hey, John Phillips, great to be with you. Uh, and just to be clear, uh, I appreciate that uh, you're saying that I have been consistent throughout this entire debacle. Um, the important thing is for people to know is that many, many times in these sorts of crises, uh, the information that you get in the early hours and, and days and weeks uh, isn't correct. And sometimes we do have to change course when you're in a leadership position uh, on these things. But you can't change course and do a 180 without acknowledging that you're doing that. And part of the reason that the people leading this uh, epic failure have lost the trust of the public is, as you said, they go from saying masks don't work to you must wear a mask. Uh, there's very little chance of you contracting this to we're all going to die. You can't make those sorts of drastic changes without saying to people, Here's why we said initially and why we believed it to be sound, and here's the new information that leads us to believe that that was in error. Instead, what has happened is they just come out with a new mandate every day or every week and act as if everything they said prior to that isn't on the record, and they've lost the public trust. Dr. Kelly, J.P. Morgan just came out with a piece that said that infection rates have declined, not increased, in states where lockdowns have ended, even after allowing for an appropriate measurement lag. I'll quote them directly. They said that this means that the pandemic and the COVID-19 likely have its own dynamics unrelated to the often inconsistent lockdown measures that were being implemented. What say you? Well, this is exactly what I had predicted, John. I'm thrilled that J.P. Morgan came out with that. It's a critically important uh, study or report, but it's exactly what any thinking person would have predicted. We knew from the very beginning, first of all, that transmission of this virus was far, far, far higher indoors than outdoors, to the tune of 20 times higher. So the worst possible thing you could do was to keep people inside. More important than anything is that all pandemics will have a curve that flattens. That has nothing to do with anything that any governor or any epidemiologist puts in place. Not social distancing, not mask wearing, not any of this craziness. All pandemics, the normal trajectory is that it will peak and then begin to taper off because those people who are most at risk, who are most frail, most vulnerable, will become ill and unfortunately become very sick and die early on. So if you do nothing at all, it will taper off and the curve will flatten. So it was highly predictable that once people got back to work, started going about their business, 
got outside, took off the dang mask that causes them to do nothing but rebreathe in things that they should be breathing out, that those rates would fall. Finally, we've proven it. I, it on the other hand, you don't see anyone in the mainstream media or any of the talking heads uh, in Washington standing up and apologizing to Governor DeSantis down in Florida. You know, DeSantis was was decried essentially as a as a thoughtless, ungaring governor who was you know didn't care if his people dropped dead like flies. When instead, now the proof is there. People can see with their own eyes that transmission rates, infection rates have fallen in all of the states, all of them that have reopened. Georgia, each state has has great numbers, and much to the dismay of the people on MSNBC uh, and all the major news networks, people are not becoming ill, and they can't say, nah, 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 we told you so, you should have stayed locked in your bubble for the next six months. Well, one of the things that drives me crazy is that they, these politicians are clearly loving the power that they're granting themselves. They're forcing us to stay inside our homes. They're forcing us to wear masks. They're forcing us to stop doing the things that we like to do. We can't go get a steak and a scotch at a restaurant that we like. We can't do any of the things that we like to do and have been doing uh, for our entire lives, especially that governor in Michigan, by the way, who has that constant smirk on her face like she's the Joker in Batman. But one of the things that they have complete control over and regulate and uh, certainly uh, permit are nursing homes. The state governments and the various county governments, if they wanted to, could exercise a lot of control over what goes on in those institutions. But they decided not to do that. In fact, they focused on the rest of us and they ignored the nursing homes, which, according to the statistics, is where most of the problems are. In Los Angeles County, the Department of Health is run by a woman by the name of Dr. Barbara Ferrer, not a medical doctor. She has a PhD in social welfare. She recently acknowledged that they really blew it by not focusing on the nursing homes, although it was Catherine Barger, who's the president of the L.A. County Board of Supervisors, who broke that news on Fox 11. Let's go ahead and listen to that. Cut 13. Uh, no place with greater suffering than nursing homes. More than 50% of the deaths mm. from all this have been at nursing homes. Uh, last week when I asked you about that, you said that Dr. Ferrer had miscalculated when it came to nursing homes. What specifically do you mean by her miscalculating? What does she miscalculate? Well, she said it at one of the press briefings and said, you know, we, we should have been more aggressive early on as it relates to skilled nursing facilities. And um, you, can't, you can't turn back time, but what you can do is recognize that if you look at the number of deaths coming out of our skilled nursing facilities, clearly that is ground zero where we need to concentrate. And even when we lift the restrictions beyond the skilled nursing facilities, those that are in a high-risk group are going to still need to continue to be careful when they go out. But, but she said it herself. She said that she miscalculated and probably should have been more aggressive and done asymptomatic testing uh, and testing in our, in our uh, skilled nursing facilities. How embarrassing is that? Well, if, if by miscalculating you mean stunning and reckless failure, then, then yes, she, she you know, they miscalculated. It, you know, one of the jobs of the people running these sorts of, of crises is to identify those people who are actually at risk. This is epidemiology 101. It's pandemic 101. 
figure out who are the people who are truly at risk and protect them. As you've heard me say many, many times, there is no such thing as quarantining, quote unquote, healthy people. Quarantining is what we do when once we have identified that group of people, whoever they are, they're very young, they're very old, you know, people with red hair or whatever it is. And in this case, we knew from the very beginning that the truly at-risk population were the elderly and those with significant underlying comorbidities, namely diabetes, hypertension, and also obesity. If it So when those came together, that's the group we needed to protect. So instead, they quarantined, quote-unquote, everybody, had all these healthy people wear masks and stay at home, you know, shut down oil rigs in rural Wyoming, uh, manned by healthy 40-year-old guys, and then did the opposite, allowed nursing homes. The, The area that is ground zero for bad things to happen with COVID-19, and they said, we, we will sort of leave those. We don't want to isolate those the poor old people. And instead, you're thinking, what? It's for the love of God, that's the one category of persons who needed to be absolutely protected. They should have shut those down very quickly, controlled who went in and out, including personnel, because the way that COVID-19 got into the nursing homes, let's be very clear, wasn't because it miraculously appeared in some elderly person, a nursing, a a respiratory therapist, uh, you know, somebody who works there, a kitchen person, is the one who brought it in. So they needed to lock those down and protect those. So to call it a miscalculation is sort of the understatement of the century. Dr. Kelly Victory. You can get her on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Victory. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Always great. Talk soon. It's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty. More coming up in moments. Don't go anywhere. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack and Joe getting in a little extra family time uh, with their, well, families ahead of the Memorial Day weekend. But now a man whose grip strength Jack and Joe admire, John Phillips. Now, Positive Sean, usually when people say they're spending more time with their family, it's right after they said something racist. But just to be clear, Armstrong and Getty did not do that. <laughs> no, no, they are legitimately uh, enjoying some uh, some much-deserved time off uh, ahead of the, the this wonderful weekend. Now, after this whole quarantine thing, I think I'll feel very comfortable saying I need to take a break to spend less time with my family. <laughs> I feel like that is a very common sentiment among, uh, like, I don't have that because I'm the single, uh, uh, you know, apartment dwelling, uh, you know, millennial. I, I don't have those those trappings of, a, of responsibilities of an adult life. But for, for those who are cooped up with their loved ones, I can see how some time apart will be much appreciated. Now, Positive Sean, I must say that that being here on the radio with you this morning has really uplifted my spirits because I needed some positivity this morning. I think we all do. I got some bad news yesterday. Oh, no. I don't know if you saw this story, Positive Sean, but the cruise line Royal Caribbean announced yesterday that they were canceling all of their cruises through the end of July 
which includes a cruise I was supposed to go on at the end of the month, and I saw that, and I just got depressed. Uh, through July. Are you a cruise ship aficionado? I have never been on a cruise ship. Uh, I have friends who enjoy it, and they, they swear by it, but... Uh, I don't know. There's. Uh, I don't know if I would just get full on cabin fever being in a, a ship like that, but it just seems very claustrophobic to me. Well, a cruise ship will become, if it's not now, at some point in the future, it will be the best friend for every person who works in radio, <laughs> because they have everything that can check every vice box that people in radio have, starting with the unlimited buffet, which is just one big orgy of food. And when I go on these cruises, people always ask me, they say, John, where are you going? Where's the cruise ship going to take you? What countries are you going to see? What ports are you going to dock at? And honest to God, positive, Sean, the answer I always have is don't know, don't care. You're about the ship. Yeah, all the islands just kind of run together. Aruba, Curacao, New Zealand, Japan, I don't care. All the ones that they mentioned in that Beach Boys song. All the same to me. In fact, the only reason I actually bring sunglasses with me on my cruise vacation is to make sure that no one can tell if I'm bluffing in the casino. Now, see, that's where it starts to get me interested, because my, my ideal Vegas trip involves, at some point, an uninterrupted 12-hour block of me at a poker table with other degenerates. Is that sort of thing going on on cruise ships? Is that Absolutely. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that maybe I need to take a second look at these things. Oh, my goodness. If you tried one of these cruises out, you'd be Kathy Lee Gifford before you knew it. We'd never get you off that ship. (laughs) But unfortunately, the cruise ship industry is really taking it in the teeth. Because no other industry is as connected to COVID-19 as the cruise ship industry. The first exposure... And I'm not saying the first case, because I think that was a woman in Northern California. But the first major exposure that the state of California got to COVID-19 was that Princess cruise ship that was coming in from Japan. And you had a cruise ship that was filled with people who were all in or around the age of 912. And many of them tested positive. And it was supposed to go into San Francisco, I think, and it ended up going to Oakland instead. And they had the helicopters doing the live shots nonstop. And the mental association that people make with COVID-19 and private businesses, if you were to say, what's the first business you associate with COVID-19, the answer will usually be cruise ships. And that's a shame. It's a shame because it is a wonderful vacation to take. Uh, The people who work on those ships are wonderful people, and it is my favorite vacation to go on. But they may be one of the casualties. If you think about it, the cruise ships haven't been operating for months. And corporations always have a rainy day fund, or at least should usually have a rainy day fund, if bad things happen. But you can't anticipate being offline for months at a time. So here's hoping that the cruise ship industry bounces back and the cruise ship aficionados like me, and I predict soon-to-be-positive Sean, (laughs) will have a place to go. All right, it's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty. More coming up. Don't go anywhere. Armstrong. 
and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We appreciate John Phillips filling in for us today on the Armstrong and Getty Show. We will be back sooner or later. It's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty on loan from Talk Radio 790 KABC in Los Angeles. You can listen to me there between noon and 3 each weekday or online at kabc.com. I also write a newspaper column for the L.A. Daily News and the O.C. Register. And you may have seen me on CNN, where I served as one of their Republican political analysts for a few years. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny Don't Like. Well, one of the things that's happened since this whole COVID-19 pandemic broke out is people have been shockingly morbid. I don't know if you've noticed this. True story. I was opening up my email one day, and I figured, let's just go ahead and see what's in the old spam folder. I don't check it every day. I probably should, because sometimes emails that are important somehow get classified as spam, and they end up there, and you don't respond to something that you should have responded to. And I saw in my spam folder... An email from my alma mater, California State University at Fullerton. And it's one of these pleas for money. They ask for money more often than the Nigerian princes. Every time you open up up an email, they've got their hand out. So I figured, all right, let's go ahead and see what they're saying during the pandemic. It's got to be a tough time to raise money for a school. So I open up the email... And it says, if you're planning on your estate and who to leave your your belongings to and your assets to, consider us. And I was thinking to myself, it takes a lot to offend me. I'm pretty much unoffendable. Nothing bothers me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But I thought that that was just slightly distasteful to ask for money at this point. And I was thinking to myself, do they know something I don't? Are they talking to the lab? Do I have the Rona? And then it ended up in the papers because I guess they sent that same form letter to everyone and it went off like a lead balloon. And then last night, On cable, it was on the Lawrence O'Donnell program, the last word on MSNBC. And I do have to admit, that's one of these cable shows I don't watch all the time. He's very angry, that Lawrence O'Donnell. Always screaming, always yelling. There's a clip that ended up on the Internet of him banging his fists on the table and screaming at his staff because apparently there was construction going on in a nearby room and it was disrupting him. And he was very angry, and he was yelling at everyone. And I guess someone that he was yelling at figured, all right, buddy, we'll get you. And they put the video on the Internet, and it, of course, went everywhere. So I don't watch that show. If I wanted to get yelled at during dinner, I'd go to McDonald's and order without a mask on. But last night, Nancy Pelosi was his guest. 
And Nancy Pelosi has been in the news a lot lately because she's gotten into it with President Trump where she made a comment about his weight. She didn't call him fat. She didn't call him husky. She didn't call him portly. She didn't call him tubby. She said he was morbidly obese. In fact, let's go ahead and listen to that. Cut 26. He's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientists, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. So I, I, uh, I, I think it's not a good idea. President Trump, of course, fired back, cut 28. I don't respond to her. I think she's a waste of time. Pelosi is a sick woman. She's got a lot of problems, a lot of mental problems. We're dealing with people that have to get their act together for the good of the country. And then the next day, Nancy Pelosi gave a press conference where Grandma was losing her marbles, cut 29. You're asking me about the appropriateness of the actions of this president of the United States? so completely inappropriate in so many ways uh, that it's almost a given. It's like a child who comes in with mud on their pants or something. It, that's the way it is. They're outside playing. That's what it is. He comes in with doggy do on his shoes, and everybody who works with him has that on their shoes, too, for a very long time to come. Well, Nancy Pelosi represents San Francisco, so for the record, if someone came into her house, it, that wouldn't be doggy do on their shoes. It would be something else. So someone needs to let her know about that at some point. She then doubled down and said, I was just giving him a taste of his own medicine. Cut 30. I didn't um, say anything about the president. I, I gave him a dose of his own medicine. He's called women... Uh, one thing or another over time and I, I thought he thinks that passes off his humor in certain cultures and I thought that was what that was and I was only quoting what doctors had said about him so I was being factual in a very sympathetic way I said he's our president we don't want our president taking something that could be dangerous as the scientists have said it could be if he takes offense at that well I could take offense at a lot of things, but they don't really mean that much to me. But again, a dose of his own medicine. So there you have it. It was a calculated ploy. She's trying to bait him into getting into it with her. I guess she wants to be the heel. She wants to be the one that he's sparring with and not Joe Biden. She wants to be the punching bag. So she went ahead and gave him a shot across the bow. Well, back to Lawrence O'Donnell and the morbid aspects of this pandemic. Nancy Pelosi was a guest after this exchange with President Trump over whether or not he's morbidly obese, and listen to her conversation with the host on MSNBC, Cut 16. There's that old saying that the vice president is a heartbeat away from the presidency, but it seems tonight you are two sneezes away from the presidency with the, the fact that the president and vice president are not taking the necessary precautions. Are you concerned about that situation uh, with the president and the vice president, their lack of precautions? Well, I always pray for our president and vice president and their families for their safety for our country. But I also am concerned the example that is not being set for the rest of the country. And I'm concerned about those lives. 
What's Lawrence O'Donnell smoking? He thinks she's going to live outlive the two of them? What, does she sleep in a hyperbaric chamber? She's almost 80 years old. Talk about a risk group for the Rona. And the way that they're discussing this is also interesting. Well, we pray for them. We pray for their families. We pray for their safety. We pray for their health. We wish no ill will on any of them. But if and when they roll a seven, here I am. I'll be moving into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I got some decorator friends back in California. We'll fumigate that place and move right in. They're almost gleeful. Now, if you think about the ages of people involved in politics at the highest levels, President Trump is in his 70s. Yes, that's true. But he's in his early 70s. And he's a very vibrant kind of guy. The guy is constantly on the move. He doesn't look old. He doesn't look feeble. Joe Biden is almost 80. If he gets elected, he will be in his 80s in his first term, and he'll be in his mid to late 80s in the second term. He's going to be available for pre-boarding on Air Force One. How about Bernie Sanders, the runner-up? He's older than Joe Biden. And then if you look to the Supreme Court, you've got Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's 85, and you got Stephen Breyer, who's 80. So if they want to go on TV and speculate about the untimely deaths of politicians, they might be looking in the wrong place. And for her, of all people, to participate in that conversation, I thought that was appalling. If you go back to the Democratic debates, the individual who made the biggest issue out of age was Eric Swalwell. Remember him? No, that's right. You don't for a reason. He was one of the first ones to bite the dust. When they first started out, they had 832 people on that stage in the Democratic primary. Marianne Williamson outlasted Eric Swalwell. In many ways, age is just a number. There are people I know who are in their 50s who might as well be in their 90s. They don't take good care of themselves. They don't exercise. They eat horribly. Every time they go to the grocery store, it's like their parents are gone for the weekend. And they're not going to live long lives. But then you see people who are in their 70s or 80s, and they appear to be in good health. By the way, Nancy Pelosi is one of them. You don't look at her, and you don't see a sick old woman. You look at her, and you see someone who's a healthy, fit person. I don't look at Donald Trump and see a sick old man. I don't look at Mike Pence, certainly, and see that. Well, they're not wearing masks. Well, maybe they didn't get the memo that the science changed three weeks after they told us not to wear masks. How about that? Yesterday, I went out to get the mail. 
And when I was out to get the mail, there was a guy who was riding his bike, because the weather is beautiful here in Palm Springs, where I'm broadcasting from. He was on a bicycle, and he was riding towards me. And the guy had to be in his 30s or 40s, just based on my observations. And he was wearing a helmet. He was wearing a mask. He was wearing gloves. He was wearing elbow pads. And he was wearing knee pads. And I thought to myself, this guy is in his 40s or 30s, and he is this scared to death. And he's dressing up like he's a contestant on the American Gladiators. What is wrong with the world? Well, while those two ghouls were giggling it up and speculating on when President Trump or Vice President Pence would get the Rona, let me tell you, I'm sure somewhere in Washington, D.C. or San Francisco, they're cooking up the next idea of how to be offended at someone else. It's interesting how you can get away with something like that if the target is someone that the mainstream media deems to be unsympathetic. Just like you can get away with the fat jokes and you can get away with the racial stuff and you can get away with everything else. It's not what you say that's offensive. It just depends on who your target is. Because think about this for one minute. If someone who is a Republican or someone from the Trump administration went on television and did a morbid obesity joke about Stacey Abrams, do you think that the mainstream media would just laugh it up? Do you think Anderson Cooper would have some pushback? He didn't with her when she took that shot at President Trump. They look like Waylon and Madam. They were on the same page. But it's just one of those things, and it's a reminder, by the way, that when they claim to be outraged, when they claim to be offended, it's not real. It really isn't. It's just a weapon they use to go after their enemies. Because when they're amongst themselves, that's what they do, too. They make comments about someone's age. They make comments about someone's weight. They make comments about all of the above. So just keep that in mind the next time she's angry over something that someone said on TV. It's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty. More coming up. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack and Joe getting an early start on the Memorial Day weekend, spending some time with the family. But until then, we're in the very capable hands of one John Phillips. John, how you doing? I'm good, and I'm better than 2.4 million Americans who are now unemployed and sought jobless aid last week, which is an unfortunate tragedy and an unfortunate aspect of this overreaction to the coronavirus pandemic. And a lot of people are going to be sitting at home watching TV during the day. In fact, just being on house arrest, I've watched so much Judge Judy over the last six weeks, I feel like I deserve an honorary JD. And you find out 
just exactly what everyone's running on TV when you have nothing but time to just go through the dial. And I don't know if you've seen this, Positive Sean, but the Hallmark Channel is running nonstop Christmas movies. Have you seen that? (laughs) I have not caught the Hallmark Channel lately, no. It's just one after another, after another, after another. Now, I don't want to give away the ending to many of these movies, but Santa leaves the gifts. What a weird decision. I wonder what... Well, when we're all said and done, the only person who's going to be left with a job is Lori Loughlin. (laughs) I guess they think the Christmas movies will cheer everyone up. Well, Lori Loughlin is in the news today because there are reports that are out saying she's going to cut a deal with the feds. She, of course, was one of the first ones to refuse to cut a deal. She figured she was going to go ahead and fight this thing. And she was also one of the ones when Felicity Huffman and others were showing up to the courthouse with frowns on their face, looking very serious. Lori Loughlin looked like she was walking the red carpet. She was posing for pictures, selfies with fans, and it was her moment in the sun. Well, after it became apparent that it wasn't going to end well, she changed her tune real fast. And now the Los Angeles Times is reporting that she is going to plead guilty. And with the coronavirus, she probably won't serve much time in prison. A lot of people, including Paul Manafort and Cohen, the president's former attorney, Michael Cohen, were released early. In California, inmates in the state penitentiary system, the county jails... They're being let out because they don't want them to get the Rona. And Lori Lachlan may have played this thing absolutely perfectly. Perfectly. As if she knew there was going to be a pandemic that was going to hit that was going to prevent her from actually serving her sentence. She just lucked out. But she may end up not having to serve much time at all, if any, in prison. She may just do house arrest the whole time. If she's a good girl, she may be let out from house arrest early. I got called in for federal jury duty service earlier this month. I don't know what it is about me. I get called in for jury duty service every single year. Usually it's for the Superior Court. This last time it was for federal court. And they were literally the last thing in the entire month of May to cancel for me. All the weddings canceled, the vacation canceled, a speech I was supposed to give canceled, but jury duty remained on the calendar. And then, just a couple of days before I was supposed to go in and serve, they finally canceled. So I would imagine if you're running a federal court and you've got to do things like assemble a jury and you've got to run the jails and you've got to run the prisons, that's a nightmare right now. Letting people, especially the violent criminals, out of prison early is not good news. That is definitely no bueno. Lori Lachlan may be the luckiest person in the world, but emptying our prison is certainly going to make the rest of us unlucky, especially when we're the victims of one of their crimes. It's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty. More's coming up. Armstrong and Getty. 
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.